How are you? I'm so good. So good. So good. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so good. So, <laughs> How are you? I got you. You're welcome, everybody. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good as well. Okay. I get to see you in a week. Uh, I made it through my demon class today. Which, the children aren't actually demons, it's just the logistics of that class are terrible, mm. which I will not bore listeners with, and and uh, and tomorrow's Friday for me. Today's your Friday, you it made is. it through your week, congratulations. Thank God. It was, it was some kind of week, it seemed like. It was a doozy, they have been lately. Yeah, they sure have been. Uh, do you want to talk about that? You want to talk through it? Nope, not at all. Welcome to Trip It To Me, everyone, a travel-centric podcast where we talk about our work trauma and um, our our lives when they're frustrating and great and otherwise, and we drink things. What are you drinking, Andrew? Uh, uh, Jack and Coke. Mm. I'm sorry I'm thrown off. I don't <laughs> think you've ever done the... the... <laughs> title before i think maybe once and then i think you went "Mm, no i'll do it from now on (laughs) (laughs) that is not what happened everyone i can promise you i've never had that thought in my head guarantee there's a recording somewhere of me doing the opening and then i never do it ever again so that's just that makes sense to me projecting i think you're projecting feelings onto me hey don't use words like projecting i'm the one that gets to do the counseling segment thank you very much all right (laughs) (laughs) we're off to a a rocky start here Sorry. Yeah, I'm drinking a Jack and Coke, and I think, I think I prefer uh, whiskey and Coke over rum and Coke. And I may have already said this on the podcast, but I don't remember. I think you have, but I think it's worth noting again. Hmm. (laughs) Thank you. Andrew's preferences, everyone. Yes. New discoveries. That's that's basically what a podcast is. Basically. Just people talking about what they prefer. I mean. Shelby, what are you drinking? It is what a podcast is. <laughs> I am drinking uh, gin and tonic with lime. It's a classic. I would say that I handpicked it, but I didn't. It's just what we had. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of one of those nights, right? Yeah. Just to, just to grab whatever's in the cupboard, pantry, yeah. fridge. And it was either going to be, like, orange juice and rum, which did not, like, I already felt like my stomach was not going to be happy with that. Or it was going to be gin and tonic. And, you know, why why fix a classic? It's great. Right. Your stomach's always happy with gin and tonic, right? Always, yeah. Always. always. Never an issue there? I, t- I mean, not that I, not that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great, great, I don't great. think my stomach's ever had an issue on gin and tonic. I think it it's always been the mixing of the things or I mean it's it's been wine because I've had way too much of it. Um but usually pretty happy with gin. Yes, you, you do seem to be happy with gin. Yeah. Gin is uh, happy I had a, with me. Yes, very happy. <laughs> I had a gin-based drink last week mm-hmm. sometime in the 15 years it's been since we recorded. Uh-huh. I have two things to say. Listeners, pay us tribute. Uh, give us praise. We continue to release episodes every single week. I swear we take four weeks in between each recording <laughs> session. And I, I don't think that's factual, but it sure seems like it. But at it. the same time, like you're not wrong. <laughs> and I don't know yeah, how that it, works. But I don't know how we're doing it. 
Um, this is the first time, tonight's the first time we're going to record two episodes in the same night in quite a while, I think. And months so, and months and months. Uh, three years, at least. Yeah. And, and uh, so I don't know how we're doing it, but send us an email about how much you appreciate it, please. <laughs> Trip it to me at gmail.com. <laughs> I forgot what the second thing I had to say was. <laughs> oh, it was it was I had a gin based drink. Oh, uh-huh. um, yeah. And yeah. uh, and however, the amount of time it's been since we last recorded. Forty two. And years. it had, it had uh, gin, honey, like edelflower. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And and um, there was one other ingredient, but I enjoyed it. Mm. I had a good time with it. And yeah, I get it again. I do. I do appreciate that gin can go floral. It can go citrus. It can go like a little bitter. You know, you add in like some vermouth and you know some Campari and oh wait, that's a Negroni. Um, no, gin is very versatile. Have I talked about on the podcast that I tried a Negroni? I know I told you, but I, I'm not sure I talked about I it on the podcast. I think you just told me. I yeah. don't think everyone else got to hear about it. Yeah, I'm sorry to rob. I would like to publicly apologize. I'm sorry that I robbed you of the pleasure of us not doing it together, or at least mm, virtually together. Shelby's thank in New you. Zealand. I'm in California. Um, but but yeah, I had a Negroni. My my brother, a three four. Uh, we got to give get him a five timers jacket at some point, oh. uh, mm-hmm. but I think it's only been on four episodes. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, he he made he made a, me a Negroni, and I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It is bitter, hmm. uh, but but yeah, yeah, I liked it more than I thought I would. Did you make any faces at all while you're drinking? Uh, I think I suppressed the faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I did. Cause were you in public? No, no. He made it for oh, me okay. in his house, and it was good. And yeah, it, I enjoyed it. Can you can you demonstrate one of the faces that you suppressed for me? Uh, it's just for you. Yeah, just for me. If if anyone subscribed, then you get to see this. Um, here, I'll take a drink, so then it, it, oh, you yeah, can yeah, get yeah. the full effect. Yeah, that's good. Sips the Negroni. <laughs> Although to be fair, that's kind of the face I take or I make every time I take the first sip. Yeah. It kind of hits like that. Yeah, you're yeah. you're right. Did you feel did you feel the sensation later on of like, oh wow, I could just kind of like hover right now? Uh, I don't think I had enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I did finish the drink, uh, but it is strong. I'll give you that. Yes. It's, it's yes. certainly uh-huh. strong, but but I didn't. I, I felt fairly normal, I think. Okay, okay. Will, will you have another Negroni with me when we're in Hawaii next week? I will, and you will. I will not be able to suppress the faces quite as well, I don't think. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Even um, for everyone, For everyone who doesn't know, Andrew and I are going to be in Hawaii on the Big Island yeah. next week. So that's very exciting. Incredible. I, I it's can't only been it. like thirty-seven years in the making. Yes, it, it does feel that way. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and Thank I'm you, COVID. I'm not even the one planning it, and it feels that way. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my goodness! Well, well, what a time! What a time! Well, we might talk about that a little bit more 
Well, probably in like the next like three episodes, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably talk about it more next week when we pre-recorded, and then and then actually what happened after that. So. Exactly. You got that to look forward to, everybody. Hmm. Thank you for listening to the previous Hawaii Trip Report. Way more people have listened to that than most other episodes. So I hope you all enjoyed it. <laughs> Lots of people want to go to Hawaii. Yeah, it does seem to be a thing. I, I don't know. Hmm. It seems. I guess it's a nice place. Yeah. We'll find well, out. Well, and of course, of course, my um, my mother is getting caught up on old episodes, so I'm sure just all mom. of the influx of views that you're seeing is probably just my mom. Thanks. Hi, mom. Thanks, mom. Uh, Thanks, mom. <laughs> what have you been up to, Shelby? <laughs> Did you also just drop a marble onto the onto oh, the desk? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, I I've was got, just curious what it was. I've got these little stones that I kind of fidget with, yeah. and this one's quite this one's quite pretty. Mm. It's quite nice. Um, well, that is but nice. the problem is they're really smooth, and so then I drop them. That's okay. It's a really professional podcast. You've got a higher quality mic than I do, so it picks up less things where people just hear me like taking drinks all the time. So I really love the clink, clink, clink of the, the ice oh, yeah, in the glass. Yeah. That actually is a wonderful sound. Mm, okay. Some mm, yeah. ASMR. I hate ASMR. Yeah. Like it, It's gross to me. <laughs> all kinds. Every single kind I've ever seen. <laughs> But um, ah. but there you go. No, I quite the ice in the glass is a good sound. When you were um, in when you were in grade school, going back to the fidgeting stones, which is a terrible band name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you were yeah. you always like doodling or or playing with something? I think, I like I definitely wasn't one of those kids that like couldn't sit still. Right. You know, like, I don't think I was quite that far on the spectrum, but yeah, like doodling, you know, flipping my pen. Yeah. Um, I think if I didn't do those things, I would tend to drift. Um, I really liked school and the kind of, you know, uh, neurotypical <laughs> structure that school has worked for me. So, um, you know, but I, yeah, I think that it, it does help kind of ground you and kind of keep you present, um, especially when you're listening. So I do, I do quite enjoy yeah. It's something I haven't really realized until later on in life, but, um, I'm quite tactile. Right. So even, you know, even when I'm watching a movie or, you know, if my brain is really busy and I need my brain to turn off, sometimes I still need my hands to do things. So um, if I'm feeling quite overwhelmed and stressed and I need to relax, I still sometimes need to physically occupy my hands somehow so that my brain can shut off. So I think that's just part of one of those things you recognize as you get a bit older. Yeah, Melissa's the same way. She always hmm. always draws or, or, or does something note equivalent sometimes yeah. um yeah uh when whenever she's listening to something or or when she was in school so yeah yeah and even you know when i talk i use my hands a lot so i think i just i think i just use them for communicating everything right so i think that also when i'm listening the hands are helpful to to stay engaged yeah i i've started using my hands more and i don't know where it came from um I I uh, I was recording the other podcast, one of the other podcasts I do, Wandering in Disney podcast with with the guest uh, earlier this week, and I noticed myself like 
express uh, using hand expressions. I was like, oh uh-huh. no, this, this guy's not moving at all, and I'm, I'm <laughs> moving my hands with every sentence I'm saying. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> Where interesting. did this come from? Um, okay, follow up questions. Um, the full like, is it just recently that you've done a lot of like Zoom? And like like calls like this where you're like recording things, but you're also seeing yourself like in your screen. Because before when you were doing podcasts, they were mostly in person, right? Yeah, that's correct. I um, hmm. I I think. Well, I, I taught guitar for a long time, um, for two years basically over over Skype or Zoom or whatever. Um, right. But that's a little different. You would have been holding a yeah, guitar, right? And, and, yeah, and not saying things, like not asking questions mm-hmm. or, or having interesting conversations. Sorry, yeah. guitar students. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, other than that, I guess this would kind of be the first time, yeah. Because my thought is, is it just that, like, when you see yourself on a screen and you're not used to it, I think people tend to not move. Yeah. So I wonder if your comfort level with that has just increased. So now you are that makes talking sense. like you usually would, and but you're like you're seeing it. So yeah. maybe now you're just more aware of it because you're actually seeing it in the screen. Yeah, I think that's probably right. The first podcast I ever did uh, was called The Rosebuds, and we recorded probably for the first year over Skype, and it was. It's not a good podcast, and like it's definitely not back then. Like the the first year of podcasting was, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, Matthew can probably attest to that. If you wanna, if you wanna talk about the improvements made, Matthew, you can pay us more tribute. Email us. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do hope I've gotten better. But I think that's probably it. You, I mean, back then, what you use Skype to talk to your long distance girlfriend or boyfriend is that is <laughs> yeah, that it yeah. i think so I, I think so um, like and even then like why have a long distance girlfriend or boyfriend yeah, like, just dump them i think the world has changed <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah, let's get over that um, <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah i think you're probably right in that i just gotten more comfortable and and i mean you i i don't think i'm a person that really imitates what i see but you are pretty expressive so maybe that's rubbed off on me a little bit. I don't know. That's actually something um, Andrew knows that I have a, a little trio of classmates. I'm studying at the moment to, to become a counselor. And so I have my little trio and we meet online and we practice some of the techniques on each other because it don't release us into the general public, <laughs> please. God, no. Um, but that's something that one of them has actually said. Neither one of them really use their hands a lot in our online sessions Mm. and they've said that i do and they've said it's like a good thing so i'm gonna i'm gonna hope that it's that but um yeah no i have been told i I use my hands quite a lot i don't think there's any italian in my blood but uh Uh, give me the pasta yeah (laughs) speaking of italian did you go see the super mario brothers movie No, I did not. Hmm. Um, what did you do? I look at um, that. Well, peak podcasting. That's a transition look at, right what there. A beautiful transition. We have blown through White Lotus season one. We've talked about it. Now we're we finished season two. And honestly, 
We went through it so fast. I feel like we finished it like a month ago. It, it wasn't actually that long ago, but we have consumed so much in the last week. So we finished season two of White Lotus. The ending is just jaw-dropping, funny, horrible, a just delightful in a very twisted kind of way. Um, uh, yeah. I'll probably say some spoilies here, so if you haven't seen it, scoot along. But, you know, I loved the, you know, the, the comeback of Jennifer Coolidge's character. I think I could watch her in anything. The, the suspense that slowly builds was tantalizing and palpable. And... They've made it look really easy to achieve that with all of the different storylines, but it's not easy to have it be that much of a slow, gradual build that keeps you so engaged. So very impressed by that. Again, super impressed by the scoring. Really loved the music that was behind every episode. Um... The casting was just really, really good and interesting. And even more so than in the first season, at the end of season two, Ben and I had like a full-on discussion about what we thought happened to the characters after they left Italy, after they left Sicily. And I enjoyed that so much. Usually I like kind of having things wrapped up. I like a little bit of mystery, but I kind of like knowing what's going to happen. And so for me to really revel in like analyzing okay like Aubrey Plaza's character like um which of course it's it's been a week since we've watched it so names of characters have disappeared but Harper. between the two couples thank you Harper and Ethan I'm like, looking at a list they, I don't I did not remember but oh okay great thank you like obviously their marriage wasn't good to start with but now this whole thing has happened and they've left and they're like on the outside seemingly really happy and like they finally have had sex yay them but you look at it and you're like, they've just turned into the other couple. They've just turned into um, Cam and yeah. Daphne. Yeah. They've just, they're just going to keep punishing each other in this endless cycle until someone either dies or they get divorced or, or whatever. <laughs> like, it's just, like, they're just going to keep going back and forth, one-upping each other because they have not actually worked on their issue. They have not actually resolved anything. It's a temporary fix. So that progression of how they as a couple turn into this couple, delightful. I, I mean, horrible, but delightful to watch. And um, the very, very real tension of Portia, like, getting kidnapped. And then Tanya being on a boat where she's going to get murdered. That That whole sequence, brilliant. Fucking brilliant. So... Really, we we very much enjoyed White, Le White Lotus season two. The you know the themes about what happens in relationships, not really how they start, but how they end, or how they start to end, was very very fun to watch. It was tense. I had like manic, nervous laughing happening in every episode. So if you can stomach the discomfort and the awkwardness, I would really recommend it. Is it the, uh, you, you watch more TV than I do. Is it the most watchable or, uh, I don't know if watchable is the right word, enjoyable 
uh, fun to watch, maybe, is what I'm going for of of any of the recent shows you've gone through. Mm. Uh, you've watched Euphoria, I mean, uh, Yellowstone. I'm trying to think of all the shows you mentioned on here, but um, it seems, in my opinion, it was just easy to watch while still having mm, quite yeah. a lot to say. It, yeah, it really kind of... <laughs> balanced that pretty well we're like on the surface it's just people on vacation yeah and i mean it's like beautiful the, both it's beautiful seasons, but especially like, the second season and it even you know room design landscape mm-hmm. music scoring costumes casting like it's just really nice to look at and there are moments that are really funny. And then you kind of get caught in this moment where you're like, oh, God, this is so uncomfortable. Um, I don't think it's the easiest thing that we've watched lately. I think the next show that I talk about will be okay. the one that was, like, actually easy watching. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's great. I think, um, I think most people would enjoy it. There's a lot of sex in season two. It's basically about <laughs> yes. sex and yes. and the relationships that are formed around sex. So if you're uncomfortable with that, then then maybe stay away. Maybe but don't. but yeah. otherwise, I, I don't really see how anyone would dislike it outside of that caveat, which is a a big one for some people. So obviously, I I I will say. I was talking to a coworker earlier this week and I was telling her about it. And I was like, I don't know if you'd like it or you'd hate it because it's really uncomfy. But like, you know, if you wanted to, like, you should give it a go. I'd be curious. And she came back to work like two days later and she was like, we got like two episodes in. Right. And I was like, why does anyone like this show? <laughs> it is. Both seasons are like one of those where you're going to know pretty much right away if you're going to enjoy yeah. it or not. Yeah. But then I was like, okay, well, I'll give you spoilies since you're not going to watch it. And I was telling her all the things that happened. And she was like, oh, maybe I need to try again. And I was like, you really don't have to. Like, you did not like it. Like, you really, you don't. She was like, how did this show even get picked up for a second season? I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) I thought this whole, the second season uh, was less funny than the first um, until yeah. the end, which was like, oh my gosh, what are yes. you guys yes. doing? What? Yes. Um, the I, end was hilarious, I, but also just awful. <laughs> just and awful in a good way, you know. And it, like, I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. But I think the laughing that happened was to like, oh God, this is so uncomfortable. Like, you have to have an outlet for it. Yeah. And mine is just like manic cackling right. because like i don't know what else to do with that energy right it had a um a very similar feel at least to me i, I bet most I, I won't say most i bet a lot of people wouldn't have this reaction but a similar feel to it to the end of uh, a movie that i love last year called tar that i've talked about a lot so mm-hmm. it just had a very like wait what 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 just happened? <laughs> we got me. we got here. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So I uh, yeah. I really really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wonderful. What have what have you been up to? What have you been watching and listening to and thinking about? And... I'll go with uh, a documentary I watched last week. Uh, that's about one of my favorite musicians, Jason Isbell. It's put out by. HBO, they do a series called Music Box, which is basically a series of uh, of music documentaries. They did one 
last year or, or even a year before that about Woodstock 99. That was really interesting. Um, but they've done a bunch. Uh, this one's called uh, Running With Our Eyes Closed or Jason Isbell Running With Our Eyes Closed. And it was essentially all about him making his last record. He's got another one coming out in the in the next few months. But it was about that. And then it kind of bridges into COVID because that, that album was made in 2019, released in 2020. And then, obviously, we all know what happened. So um, it, it starts, it, his wife is a very good musician. Her name's Amanda Shire. She's a uh, violinist or or plays the fiddle depending on depending on what style of music um, mm-hmm. she's playing at the time but uh, it, it kind of dives into their relationship and marriage and is really interesting uh, before diving into Jason Isbell's past uh, when he joined the uh, drive-by truckers at the at a very young age and then got addicted to all sorts of things and, and coming out of that and then uh, goes back into the marriage and, and some tough times and, and coming out of it. And then finally it gets into uh, COVID. And I, I'm not sure it really needed that third stage where it's kind of talking about something else all of a sudden. Uh, but it also made sense because like the album that they were working on had to come out <laughs> and, uh, and, right. and yeah. um, it did give some resolution to the marriage and it, it felt very honest. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure how I felt about the third act, if you will, but, um, but it was a very honest and, and if you know, Jason Isbell's songwriting, it's very earnest and, and just wearing his emotions on, on his sleeve and, and he's a very eloquent songwriter, but, but it's just so truthful that, uh, that it feels like you've been let in. And that, that's kind of what the documentary does too. Um, so I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's a, if you're not familiar with his music, I think it was a pretty good introduction to, uh, his songs. It, it really used his songs which seems like it'd be obvious for a music documentary but i don't think many of them do this right he really used his songs to help tell the story of his life uh that's nice and yeah it, it did it really well it also had some really cool studio moments um and seeing them bring songs to life and him introduce songs to the band and then them recording it um really really cool and and stuff that I'd enjoy. I'm not sure it's for everyone, but I think the story's relatable and and again honest enough that I I think most people would resonate with it. So mm. yeah, mm. Uh, a great musician, uh, one of my favorite songwriters, uh, and an incredible guitarist as well. So yeah, yeah. When you were talking to me about this, you know, of course I didn't I didn't know who that was, but then I when I looked up the songs that he had written. I did actually know quite a few. Yeah. So, yeah, people might be surprised at the songs that they know. Right. He he wrote a song in um, the latest. Oh, uh, uh, what's the 
What's the one? Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Uh, it came out a few uh, years back. Uh, I can think of a Star is Born. A song there we title. go. Ah, there we go. He, not the movie. He wrote yeah. um, one of the songs in that that you'd recognize, mm-hmm. and and then I mean, like you said, he, he's probably more popular than his name is, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. It must be really odd, surreal, to be a songwriter of really, really popular songs, but because you're not the recording artist, people don't know who you are? It, yeah, it must be So, like, your, your work is famous, but you're not? Yeah. Yeah. That Maybe that's, like, the secret to fame. Maybe that's <laughs> how you, like, find satisfaction in your work without, like, losing your grip on reality. I, I guess so. Maybe. Yeah, that, that would make sense. I mean, but you just said it. Jason got really hooked on, like, a bunch of drugs and shit. So, like, maybe not. He, he was not good for a, for a hot minute there. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't think... I think most of his songs he's, writ, like, written and performed. I, I think it's just that Star is Born song that isn't... His, like, he didn't perform. Um, but, yeah, no, he's... I, I, one of those musicians where like his songs have been in a lot of TV shows or movies, so right. you'd recognize them pretty quickly. And but yeah, yeah, no, he's great, and and I look forward to the new album that comes out in like two months. So very exciting. Yeah, uh, you want to do one more? Yeah, one more. Um, we watched Daisy Jones and the Six which is currently on Prime. And fun storytelling because it's like a it's like a documentary, but obviously it's 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 fictional. So it's like a documentary of like a really good, you know, like famous band, but it's kind of like a where are they now? Like it's years after the fact, like 20 years after the fact. And so all of the band members are giving solo interviews. So the pieces of the stories are being put into place. And then the interviews with the bandmates are kind of interjected in between. So the storytelling is quite fun, especially because this is a a genre that I think we're quite familiar with. Quite a few of these documentaries have come out about different bands, right? About you know, their beginning and going on tour and releasing albums and studio time and what it was like. And you get all these clips and these interviews. And so I think we're, we're used to this genre now. So for it to be a fictional band was kind of fun, but it still felt familiar. The cast was really great. Ben's actually been super into listening to like podcasts and all of this stuff to figure out, you know, which ones of them are like actually musicians and what do they do in preparation for the show? And there's some pretty cool things going on in this show, but Really, it's just the, the story of a band that started in Pittsburgh and wanted to make it. So they moved out to L.A. and then they kind of started to make it. And, you know, then, of course, they hit snags because that's what every, you know, big band story is mm-hmm. about. Right. Like you can't you can't get big without, you know, burning some bridges. So there's drama along the way. There's hurt feelings and bad relationships and drugs and alcohol and it's rock and roll baby so it's it's a good story in that it's nostalgic for kind of this 70s era when like rock and roll was really changing and songwriting was changing and 
we wanted something new and it was post-Vietnam and there was just kind of this sense of um, newness to the music scene. And the cast is charismatic and (laughs) attractive and actually quite a few of them are musicians, which I think really lends some um, some validity to, to what they do, but we really enjoyed it. We've actually, I catch Ben humming and whistling some of the songs from the show. (laughs) So the music is actually good enough that we've been listening to the Daisy Jones and the six album now that we've finished the show. So it made that much of an impact that, you know, we now want to, to listen to it. Um, yeah, I think it just kind of hit that sweet spot of something nostalgic, something pretty easy. You kind of know where it's going, but there's a few twists along the way. Visually, it's really interesting. Musically, it's interesting. The characters are really enjoyable. So, really, would recommend. Would definitely recommend. I th- uh, I'll be careful how I word this. Don't un- I guess don't underestimate the power of just putting good-looking people on a screen. I think. Absolutely. Uh, um, Absolutely. Do you have a favorite music or, yeah, music-based TV show or, or movie? I'll put you on the okay, spot. you said that, and the first thing I could think of was Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which, if you've never watched Phineas and Ferb, that doesn't make sense. Um, music-based TV show movie. That one's hard because I think there's there's a lot of movies and shows that are around musicians that are, like, really cheesy. Yeah. It's hard to make a good and one, I think. It is. Like, Coda was really good. Of course, we know this. Coda's good. I'm, I guess it's a music movie. I never really considered that. Yeah. 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 I think it is. August Rush. I think is a great movie. I haven't watched it in years. Yeah, me neither. But it hits that really, like, feelings intense movie. Uh, I don't know. I There's so many of them. Yeah. I, that I'm not sure I can really pick a favorite. But there's so many of them. I, I don't know if there's any that I... Like, I like Coda's... You mentioned that. That's just a really good feel good music and other yeah. things movie um almost famous is one of my favorite movies just overall mm-hmm. but it's almost more of a journalism movie than it is a music it's journalism about rock and roll but um, i mean andrew you can be honest the Liv- Liv- lizzie mcguire movie can be your favorite that's fine sometimes if- my wife sends me gifts of of that movie and i'm like what is this i i do not know what this is <laughs> Wait, have you not seen the Lizzie McGuire movie? I don't think so. What? Okay, new assignment. Oh Absolutely. Do we new have assignment. to? We need to get Why? drunk and then watch it with Ben and Melissa. One, because Melissa will love it. She will. And two, so then you just know what the Lizzie McGuire movie is. Oh, okay. What 14-year-old girl didn't want to run off to Italy, find her doppelganger, who is a pop star, imitate her, fall in love with an Italian guy, and then go out on stage, realize that he's not who she thought it was, but then she's found the courage to believe in herself. That's the whole Lizzie McGuire movie. She always sends me the gif of her, like, on stage with her arms out, sort of dancing, and I don't 
Heck yeah. I don't know what that is. She's not dancing, but sort of dancing. We will get drunk, and you'll watch it. And you might cry at the end. You might not. That's fine. We'll find out. (laughs) Come on. I cry at plenty of movies. (laughs) But uh, but I don't think that'll happen. Um, All right. All right. Maybe just out of happiness, I guess. We'll we'll see. Yeah, that it's over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, that Beatles documentary we'll from a few years ago was very mm, good as mm-hmm. well. That, that one comes to would mind. You, would you consider the Muppets movie, any of them, to be music movies? Uh, I don't think they're music movies. I think they might be musicals, though. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're great. Uh, but the the new Muppet show coming out about yeah. the electric mayhem is a music show, I think. Yeah. Because it's about a band. Very excited about that. It's about a band. It's about a band. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Let's see. What else you got? What, you, what else you been up to? Do you want a museum, movie, or show? Mm, 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 mm. A movie. Okay. I'll, I'll talk about uh, The Way Back, which came out, I think, in 2020 as well. Uh, and this is a Ben Affleck movie he he stars in it it's not directed by him he's a a basketball coach who sort tiny spoilers like halfway through his son has died and his wife and him have separated and he drinks a lot um and, and yeah it's it's that's the basis of the story that's the gist of it and it's takes you through that he, he um, starts coaching this basketball team of the high school that he went to, and um, it ends up like like he he's filling in for a season essentially because the other coach had to retire for whatever reason, and um, yeah, he's dealing with all these demons that come up when you've gone through something so traumatic, and uh, while trying to get through to high school kids that some are great kids some are not and and you know um it it feels like a fairly generic story that's really told well and acted very very well this is maybe i don't know top three or five ben affleck performance which wow uh some people don't like ben affleck but i think he's really pretty great if he's cast in the right role uh and he's He's got this kind of sadness to him, uh, whether it's in an interview or, yeah. or like in, in an actual acting role, that uh, that just can't really be replicated by many actors, I think, and it works really well here. And this, yeah, he, he's very very good in this. Definitely the best part of the movie is is just him acting, um, and, and the story's pretty touching i don't know like music movies or tv shows i think sports movies are very hard to pull off and um they just feel overly cheesy most of the time or or i don't know not realistic if you watch sports too much too distant if if they get too much into sports and you don't watch sports it's a really hard line to to balance and 
this one does a pretty good job. I don't think it gets into the weeds too much about sports, which is always probably a smart move and focuses more on the Ben Affleck character. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it, I thought it was good and um like I, I'm not sure it's super rewatchable or anything, but it's it, it was a good movie that I'd been meaning to see for probably two or three years and and glad I finally watched it. So hmm. yeah. And it's got our girl um Sersha in it. Really? I watched this, the whole thing says. and I didn't notice? What? How did you not notice? Who is she? Unless this is wrong, but what? I had no On idea. This, she's she just says it just says that she's edited. It doesn't list her character title. I don't know. Uh, I don't think she's in it. Are you looking at the way back? Uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was uh, just it was just the Google. I don't think she she's not in the IMDb. Oh, that's very bizarre. In in the the way back, the 2020 sports drama starring Ben Affleck, um, she's listed in the cast. No, she's not in. No, she. I don't. She's not in it. I don't think. That's so Google weird. Fucked up. Oh, she is. That's yeah, so I see what you're talking about. But yeah, there's yeah. no character listed or anything. Maybe she helped produce it or something. I'm trying to yeah. find the connection here. That's really weird. No, I that, I would have loved really it. Weird. I would have loved it if she was in it. Um, she she was just an intern for the movie. <laughs> she needed that. <laughs> Coming off of Little she just, Women, she, she just really needed, needed some to. Cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's strange. How I don't know odd. why. Yeah, it was a it was oh, a good movie. Really, Not great, really but just one of those yeah. like um, happy to watch. So, what would you say is the uh, like? W- which are the top three Ben Affleck? Ooh man, I would need to look at this. Um, I'm clicking on his IMDb as we speak. Uh, do you have any that come to mind? Do, and what? How do you feel about Ben Affleck overall? I think he's fine. I'm not sure that I've really been blown away by him. Um, Gone Girl came to mind, not yeah. necessarily because he's like amazing in Gone Girl, but he's because pretty good though. He's pretty good. And perfectly cast, like, yeah, like it, the story meshes with his not that he was uh, thought to be a murderer, but like it <laughs> but just, just meshes sticks. with him so yeah. well. And all of the celebrity that unfortunately came to him with the JLo split and all of that, he, he might be yeah. one of our more interesting celebrities just overall. Um, yeah. I think he's a better director than he is an actor at this point, but he's, right. he's a pretty good actor. I like him in The Town. Have you ever seen that? We've talked about this before, and I don't think I've seen that one, but you, it, you, it does come highly recommended. Yes, it's it's a yeah. very like East Coast America or Boston, right. if you want to be specific, uh, movie that is great. I don't know. I'd probably put the town Gone Girl and Goodwill Hunting. Although he kind of plays a a back seat role in that one compared to Matt right. Damon. Um, uh, this one's right up there with that as far as acting performances. So, 
he's been, I mean, he's been around for like 40 years now. It's crazy. He's old. Yeah. Or 30. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. I don't, I don't know. He had that terrible spell in the early 2000s. And I don't know. I thought he was a pretty good Batman, but just in terrible movies. Uh, yeah. So, so hard to fault him for that really. But um, yeah, it. A really weird career. Yeah. Armageddon. I don't know. <laughs> um, I actually really like that movie. It's yeah, great. Yeah. But not because of him, because of Bruce Willis. Yeah, he, he's probably pretty good in it, though. It's He's one and, of those um, guys where you go back and like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. And Steve Buscemi. <laughs> oh, um, Steve. The only reason. Steve. I can remember Steve Buscemi's name is because we watched... The Big Lebowski. And this is one of those things that I'm not entirely sure how this started, but it was Mike Wazowski, <laughs> Steve Buscemi, The Big Lebowski. And it was just like, that was just it for a while. That's just, we That's would just what say you did. that every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. It was just the thing. Perfect. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I'm excited to see Ben Affleck's new movie, who he, which he stars in and directs called Air. Uh, that came out a few weeks ago here, but but yeah, is it like Airbud. It is not about Airbud. No. Him, him, and his golden retriever, and they play sports together. No, I don't think so. Although I would watch that. I would watch that, and then his golden retriever turns into the bat dog, and then they fight crime together. Wow. I'd watch that. Wow! Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're yeah. talking me into it. I really liked <laughs> Ben Affleck in the Last Duel. This is a maybe a controversial take, but he's a. He, he plays just like a blonde jerk that is in the, the medieval times, and it's very funny. This has been Hot Takes with Andrew. Like he's yeah, a, I haven't seen that. He's, a, he's definitely, in my opinion, he knows that it's funny that he's playing this role. Right. And like right. he's, he's just living it up. I, I enjoy that, too. How meta. Oh, yeah. Colon. Yeah. Super meta. Super, super meta. Colon. That was an inside joke between Shelby and me, and she didn't get it for like 10 seconds, so there was no point, no point in me saying it on a podcast. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. All right. Um, So we did Is for Ecuador last week. We're going to sort of switch things up a little bit. Shelby has an E is for for us. E is for Easter Island, if I can spoil it, if you haven't glanced at the episode title. (laughs) But um, but we're going to start to do a little something different with our alphabet itineraries and not necessarily do itineraries with them. Uh, we, we will for some of them, for sure. But we also recognize that if we keep going at our current pace, we will finish the alphabet itinerary sometime in the 2030s. And that is not, <laughs> that is not what we want to do. So for some of these, we're going to... Maybe dive into, like we are today, into the history of the place and and maybe talk about it in general, but, but also talk about specific things or, or the history. Some will maybe bring a guest in to talk about that spot that they've been to and we haven't. Um, some we will do itineraries. Some will ask questions to each other about um, and some will plan together. So I, I think we'll hopefully do a nice blend of things if there's something you'd like us to do 
versus one or the other, please let us know. But um, but yeah, we're gonna try to speed up this series a tiny bit. Uh, yeah. I say that while knowing that the next like two or three episodes probably won't be any of them. Yep. But uh, yep. but that's that's kind of the goal, and to get a more wide ranging. Uh, series where we can talk about places but not necessarily plan five days for them so and guys let's be real shelby myself is planning a hawaiian wedding with an itinerary for 30 other people and she don't she don't want to plan itineraries right now (laughs) she she done but but on the other side too like i had this idea to do something different with the alphabet itineraries before shelby even asked me so um so it works out it does work out we are on the same page we are even if we didn't mean to be and that is why this is the peak of professional podcasting that's why they call us the dynamic duo Yes. I don't have anything else to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my my main sources for my the information I'm sharing tonight um, comes from the Met Museum. Um, The um, I was just giggling because I was like, I don't know if it's nighttime when they listen. I don't know if it's morning. You know, maybe we've got some weird accent when you said tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I felt like I needed a new one. It's been a while. I liked it. Um. So the the Met Museum, um, a website called The American Scientist, and the Smithsonian Magazine. So as Andrew said, uh, working our way through the alphabet, we have gotten to E. Um, I chose E is for Easter Island. Um, I knew that it was a big deal. I knew that it would be really cool to go. I knew that it was a novelty. I kind of thought it might be hard to get there. Oh, Boy, was I correct. So, this Easter is, Island. This is, mm-hmm. we've, for the itineraries we planned, this is the closest we've ever got to each other in, in planning these itineraries. Both in South America, yeah. sort of. Sort of. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, good yeah. job. We, same page. We should, we should just go together, probably. Okay, that okay. sounds, we could do, um, we could do one and then the other. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, okay, okay, good. Um, sponsors, if you'd like to sponsor us, you can email us at tripitomi at gmail.com. Thank you. So for the rest of this, I am going to refer to Easter Island as Rapa Nui because that is actually the Polynesian name of the island. Um, it wasn't until a European explorer by the name of Jacob Rogesveen, um, he discovered the island. It was on Easter Sunday in 19, or oh, excuse me, in 1722. Um, hence the name Easter Island because it was Easter Sunday. In 1722, Rajavin sailed the ocean blue. Yeah, exactly. That rhyme works with so many things. Um, but Rapa Nui is the Polynesian name. Um, this island has been co- coined the, the most remote inhabited place on Earth. It's in the middle of nowhere. I thought New Zealand was in the middle of nowhere. Um, I I was wrong. So Rapa Nui is just over 2,200 miles away from Chile. So the distance between L.A. and Hawaii 
is just under 2,500 miles. So it's nearly, it's, it's about the same. It's nearly the same distance from LA to Hawaii as it is from Chile to Rapa Nui. So if you think it's already hard enough to get to Chile or far enough, well, then you have to catch another flight. That's another six hours. And I was looking going to kind of jump ahead a little bit, but um, I was looking at flight options and it seems, it seems like there's lots of options as far as dates and times. There's only one airline that will get you to Rapa Nui, but prices range from about 500 New Zealand dollars to about 1500. So like 500 New Zealand dollars, if, if you plan it right and you only pay $500, that's not that bad. For a six-hour flight, that's not bad at all. Th- and that's this is trip. from tr- Chile, though. Yeah. Right. So okay. you have to get to Chile. Right, right. And then this is the cost of the flight to Rapa Nui from Chile. Okay. So you kind of have to be prepared that there's going to be some significant travel expenses. Yeah. I didn't even look at the cost of flying from New Zealand to Chile because... I decided Not that I should look probably. after my mental health today. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars for for this flight from Chile to Rapa Nui. So this island is remote. It's far away from everything. It's really unique for lots of reasons. the The island itself it's fourteen miles long and seven miles wide. Not so it's long. not not very big. It's, it's not very big. Like, if you think about the, like, the circumference, like, you can walk it in a day if you wanted to. Like, it would be a really long day. <laughs> but, like, you, you can walk it in a day. Um, it's really rocky. Um, the island was created by a volcano. So there is um, a dormant volcano at the center of it. So there's lots of lava rock. There's cliffs. Um, because it's so far south, it's not really tropical. It's quite windy it's kind of cold so it's not going to be a tropical island destination um people from east polynesia um they left home they they hopped in a canoe they sailed east which that in itself is a pretty incredible feat yeah and they settled on the island there's a little bit of debate about when they actually settled there um some uh Articles say as early as 600 AD. Some say it was much later, more like eight, 900 AD. Some people even argue it was another four or 500 years. Um, but regardless of that, it would be another, you know, 800 to 1,000 years before Europeans um, made it to Rapa Nui. Crazy. So there was quite a length of time yeah. for this East Polynesian um, civilization to develop and build. Um, the culture itself was really rich. So you had lots of different um, arts and music and dance, just like any culture. Th- it was it was flourishing and mm. had lots of things that it was known for, even though it was it was so far removed from anything. Um, a pretty tight knit community, given the given the size of the island. Um, but with the uh, European explorers came uh, deforestation, um, came lots of um, lots of bad things. So uh, the article from the American scientist says, I thought it summed it up really well. So this is just going to be a quote, a direct quote from them. If you want this resource, it'll be in our show notes or you can email us, tripatumi at gmail.com. 
with your um, letter of sponsorship, please. <laughs> so the quote or says... Or just some praise. Um, or, or just nice things. That's fine. Yeah. Um, the quote says, Newly introduced diseases, conflict with European invaders, and enslavement followed over the next century and a half. And these were the chief causes of the collapse of, of this civilization. In the early 1860s, more than a thousand Rapa Nui were taken from the island as slaves, and by the late 1870s, the number of native islanders numbered only around 100. In 1888, the island was annexed by Chile, and it remains part of that country today, hmm. end quote. So they had had, you know, nearly a, a thousand years of, you know, building their culture, their civilization, um, and then here comes colonization and here comes European explorers. And of course, you know, these, these native people are, um, are, are taken as slaves and deforestation happens and it's the introduction of diseases and rats and things like that. So it had a devastating effect on the people there and on the physical geographic landscape. So um, there's no doubt that, you know, that this devastated it and completely changed the island and what it's known for. Um, so today, it still is a part of Chile, um, but the Chilean government is beginning to give back land to native Rapa Nui families, which is pretty cool. I think all over the world we're seeing in, in pockets, we're seeing this happen. It's certainly happening in New Zealand, where the government is recognizing the effects of colonization and is starting to give land back to the people who, who would have inherited it from their ancestors if it wouldn't have been stolen and taken away. So Chile is beginning to give it back. Of course, that's fairly controversial, and there's a lot of people who are angry over that. There's also a lot of questions about, well, w this is a special island. If we give the land back, it's going to be used for agriculture and, and crops and things like that, and that affects the, 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 his the history there. Um, and so it, it's a big question as to who actually owns the land, who owns history. If, if land was taken away from these families, then it certainly is theirs to decide what to do with it next. So... Kind of a big debate going on. But the Rapa Nui culture is reemerging through music and dance and art. And of course, with the onslaught of tourism means that there's there's kind of a market for that. Um, you know, people show up on Easter Island and they want to know who the indigenous people were and what the history was like. And so if if they have a chance to to utilize that as a way to have income, then more power to them. Mm -hmm. As of 2017, there are over 7,000 people living on the Rapa Nui, um, and about 45% of those identified themselves as Rapa Nui, so as native people. Hmm. So um, a big change compared to the 100 native people living on the island in the 1870s. So starting to see more and more people go back, starting to see the, the culture reemerge. Now, what Rapa Nui is known for, of course, is the the big the Easter Island heads. It's the right. really, really big stone sculptures. So those are called um, Moai. And they're the large stone carvings um, of ancestral chiefs. So these have been carved in the likenesses of ancestors, but then kind of have become a protective deity on the island. Um, there's different... Uh, articles that say how many there are and they give different numbers but there's at least 900 of them wow. 
on the island today. Some of them you can see were like being made and just weren't finished. Some of them have fallen over. A lot of them are still standing, Um, but most of them are faced positioned. um, They're looking inland towards the center of the island. Um, And that's because they're looking inland because that's what they're protecting. So they're standing with their back towards the ocean. Mm. They're looking towards the center of the island. And yeah, they're these protective deity. Um, The average Moai is 13 feet tall. But there's uh, accounts of some of them being 30, 40, 50, 60, even 70 feet tall. And you remember, these are made of stone. So it's not it's not like a wood carving, right? That you'd maybe carve in pieces and put together, whatever. Yeah. It's a stone carving. Um, some of them are uh, they weigh between ten and twelve metric tons, so that's over twenty two thousand pounds and ten thousand kilograms kgs. So you think about the math and the manpower that it would take to carve one of these moai in one location and then either put it on logs with ropes and roll it down a hill and then move it and put it on the platform or somehow get it on to a different part of the island and even though the island it's 14 miles long that's not crazy long if you're just like walking it or driving it but if you are carrying a 22,000 pound stone carving <laughs> That's a that's a long ways to go. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, that is a long ways to go, my friend. So on average, it took about forty people to move mm. one from where it was carved to where its platform was. Crazy. So I feel like this is one of those things, like you know, the Egyptian pyramids, right? Where you look at it and you're like. I am a modern person with a smartphone and the internet at my disposal and machinery, and I still wouldn't know how to make this thing and then move it. And these people just figured it out. They were using tools that they had created. They were using the resources at their disposal on the island, and they created more than 900 of these Moai and Mm. placed them all over their island. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And just some very brief... Because, honestly, this is the first I've ever really looked into Easter Island. Right, Some very brief looking at it um, through a few different websites. It seems like there's five or six very broad uh, places that where you could go see these uh, prominently, I guess. Um, yeah. The, the most famous of which is called, and I apologize for any mispronunciations, but um, Ahu Tangariki, um, mm-hmm. which I, it, from the pictures, it looks like there's just, I don't know, 20 or so lined up in a row. And maybe the only good part of deforestation yeah. is that <laughs> it sets up a, quite a scaled view of these incredible giant statues. I mean, these things look huge compared to yeah. the horizon, even. I mean, yeah, yeah it, looks, it looks amazing. It's one of those things where it's like, if I was going there and people would be like, oh, well, what are you going to do? And I'd be like, well, I'm going to go look at a bunch of rocks. Right. Like, essentially, that's what it is. And yet you look at that photo and 
you know, the this this one website that I've got pulled up, it's like the sunrise is happening behind it and the right. sun's shining through all of these Maui and they're lined up and it's majestic and you just imagine how tall they are. And like it's such a unique experience. It's kind of like like Stonehenge, I mm. think. And that it's a little bit mystical because this isn't something that uh, we understand in our like Western culture or like spiritualism. And it's so far removed the effort that it would take to get there. I feel like it would be a little bit of a mystical trip. Right. Where like there's these crazy stone carvings that are bigger than life. And you're on this island that was created by a volcano and it's been inhabited for so long and it's a bit foreign because, you know, I'm I'm an American, I'm a Westerner, so it's not part of my culture, and it's taken so long to get there. I feel like that's all part of the experience of this. So I can't say concretely that, like, oh, I've always wanted to go there, or even, oh, this is what my trip would like if I went there. I feel like I would just be wandering around the island for, like, two days. Yeah, I, I agree. Um it's interesting because, I mean, Stonehenge is shapes, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. there's no, I'm trying to figure out what I feel just looking at them. And it's, <laughs> it's something a little deeper to me because they are in the shape mm. of people. And yeah, just hearing you talk through the history of the island, I mean, it's, somewhat horrific and and terrible and then you have these giant stone statues that in in one way or another kind of represent that uh whether they're meant to or not and that that feels a bit uh it does feel mystical but it also feels a, a little bit uh sad but hopeful um and uh yeah i i'm looking at a different sunrise photo than you are i think but it'd be it'd be weird if we were looking at the same one because i haven't <laughs> looked at any of your links but um but yeah it's it's just um like like it's a place where you could go catch the sunrise then pack food for the whole day and then watch the sunset um and, and yeah it would that would be enough for me uh yeah, yeah it, it, there's there's just something about it that doesn't feel quite uh to your credit when you say mystical it doesn't feel quite real so yeah yeah and i think the fact that the rapa nui carved them to look like ancestral chiefs means that they were they were carving them in the image of the people who had come before knowing or not but likely knowing that these these moai would then outlive them yeah so there's there's something about that the the permanency of the work that they have done that's you know more than a thousand years old yeah i think that those monuments those places feel sacred even when it's not your culture it's not your religion it's not your people there's something very somber and very sacred about that the people that worked so hard to do something incredible that has then outlived Mm. them for so long how many of us can say that 
something that we do or we make in our lifetime will actually outlive us. You well, know, like... I think that's... Um, there are obvious differences that I, I think everyone can can probably figure out, but I think that's part of the draw of cathedrals or Buddhist temples yeah. or yeah. or yeah. anything that has a, a, both a, a scratch of of history but also also uh some mystical maybe religion maybe maybe something else to it uh, I, there's there's something about that where people are just drawn to them because they have outlived so many generations before them yeah. um like they'll outlive us uh, yeah exactly and not all of those places are somber uh some certainly are like like this mm. does feel a bit somber to me like like you just said um but but there are cathedrals that i visited that certainly aren't somber or, or yeah, temples sure. but um but the, uh, there's something uh, like you said that outlives us and and is just uh when when i say something is makes me feel small i don't always necessarily mean that as a bad thing and right. and i i feel like these sort of things kind of give you your place in the universe <laughs> and and maybe it helps you along the way so i think i think the variety of travelers that that you and i are we look for moments like that because it actually gives us a lot of perspective it gives us a lot of meaning I'm not sure that everybody looks for that when they travel, but that feeling of finding something that's bigger than you. I love seeing that when I travel. Yeah. Whether it's bigger because it's like physically so much bigger or bigger because right. it's going to outlive me or bigger because it has so much significance. You know, uh, a Van Gogh painting can make me feel small. Mm hmm. You know, or the Notre Dame can make me feel small or the footpath on the Camino can make me feel small. But that's. I think I think the idea of a place making me feel small is so much different than like a person making me feel small. You know, I think that there's a huge difference oh, there and I yeah, think that certainly. Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely right in that when you travel, those moments they stay with you. They're really significant. And I think they give a lot of meaning and a lot of perspective to our lives. And I think oftentimes those are the most memorable things from trips that I've been on. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I don't know. There, there's something, even even just like driving at night and seeing stars. Uh, mm. <laughs> I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's just something that, like like, I don't know. Those those have been here so long. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a yeah. One of my favorite songs of all time, um, by a band called Typhoon. Um, has a, has a lyric that goes like this. Every star is a possible death. We gave him names. We called him cancers, called him accidents. That one that's like a vulture circling in my head. It's burned out of five. It burned out 500 million years before I ever saw it. And that song always just makes me feel like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm just here yeah. in this tiny moment, but it's kind of beautiful in the same, yeah. that same way, because something I'm looking at, came so long before me yeah. and so many people after me are going to see it. And, and I think that's the, the draw of going to a place like Easter Island or somewhere 
that's much more that, that's even that, that, I mean that's that's way more like um, inhabited like the Louvre or uh, I mean yeah there's so mm-hmm. many examples and, and I think like you said that's kind of why we're drawn to traveling um, and, and and drawn to so many places it, it just gives us a perspective that we wouldn't get if we if I lived in uh, where I grew up my whole life. If you lived in Medford, if yeah. I lived in Yakima my whole life. Um, yeah, without ever ever breaking free. And, and I mean, another reason to be very thankful for being the, being born in the time we were born as opposed yeah, to absolutely. 200 years ago or whatever. So Absolutely, yeah. 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 So most of the things to, to do on Rapa Nui are all focused around the landscape and the nature and the Moai. So, you know, sunrise at Ahu Tongariki, there's beaches. Um, apparently, there's some underwater Moai. I don't know if it's wow, because they cool. put them there or because they fell sure. in there. I don't know. Um, some of the you know, Moai, like our... Uh, we talked about Ahu Tangariki, which is mm-hmm. very, I mean, th- these are big statues. But some of the other Moai that I'm seeing are, they almost look like formed into the hillside. Not necessarily yeah. actually in there, but, but like they just kind of fit in. Um, yeah. and, and if you were just quickly glancing over the photo, you might not see them and yeah. that that's really cool to me um like just, i feel like you could go on like a scavenger hunt right, right. And like just see what you could find yeah, yeah. just the variety of them is is, mm-hmm. is kind of uh i wouldn't expect it honestly and yeah yeah the the rapa nui national park looks uh beautiful so yeah like i kind of thought going into this that there were like maybe like 10 or 20 of these left, I had no idea no, I, that there yeah. were so Yeah, it seems like many. quite a lot. Yeah. Um, there's an anthropological museum. There's a quarry. Um, there's caves and there's a dance show. There's um, There are, like, hotels, restaurants, because, like, 7,000 people live on the island. Right. So there are things on the island to, to, to do, to see. There's restaurants to eat at. There's places to stay. So, um, you know, if you wanted to... Get there, explore, stay the night, do more exploring, leave. Like, that's totally a possibility. I think booking ahead is going to be a big one because I'm sure it's fairly limited and I think it's quite popular. So you're probably going to see some pretty big prices unless you really do your research and you, you book ahead. Hmm. Um, but there's the, the volcanic crater. There's, you know, swimming with turtles. There's all of this stuff, this list that I'm looking at now. Um, <laughs> the website is called um, Nomadosaurus, and I think that's just brilliant um but this list um says that you could get a polynesian tattoo i don't think don't um don't do that that feels kind of like cultural appropriation so don't do that um but the rest of this list looks pretty good there's um the botanical gardens and things so you know grain of salt and all things but um overall it's a pretty good list (laughs) yeah if you want to get a tattoo by a local tattoo artist please do that so support their um their economy but maybe don't culturally appropriate um their culture so you can also take a cruise to get to rapa nui um this is pretty pricey so it's definitely the most cost effective way to fly um there is a pretty good article from um nomadic matt 
um, that I've got the link to about um, experiencing the island on a budget. Um, Thank you so much, Nomadic Matt. Nomadic Matt. Um, He definitely recommends, like, bringing groceries with you to save money on food and, you know, just kind of doing it the cheap way. Because if you're spending that much money to get to Chile and then to fly to the island... It's it's gonna be kind of a pricey trip. So if you want to cut some cut some corners, save save on your budget, then um, it's a it's a good starting point. Where do you fall on that? Like like I I'm kind of of the opinion where it's like I spent this much, I'm gonna go eat whatever they serve me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm the same. Like yeah. if you're gonna spend that much money getting there. What is even the difference? Yeah, what's another a bit more? like another two hundred dollars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Just if you're that tight pressed, <laughs> maybe don't go to Rapa Nui. Right. Like maybe go somewhere a little closer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I am all for you know doing the hostel vibe and right. like, cooking for yourself. That's great. Yeah, we talk but, about like, en- we we talk about budgeting time. plenty in this show. Yeah, um, but like, but if you're I'd going rather... to Rapa Nui, Easter Island, like. You just just go for it, you know. Just eat there's, food. There's yeah. only so w- many people who can make this trip in the world, honestly. <laughs> and the work it would take to go to the grocery store, buy the groceries, put it on a bag, <laughs> take it on a plane, and then go stay in a hostel and cook it. Like, it's worth your time <laughs> to not do that. Like, just just go have fun and like do your time in the early state in the planning stages. And buy a plane ticket when it's most yeah. affordable. And yeah. then you make up some money and then you can like eat at restaurants. Melissa and I were talking the other day, um, honestly, about about the Hawaii trip. And, and there were certain things that we were like trying to plan ahead for if we needed to get them here or there. And and before we had more set plans, we were like, should we buy paper plates here and then put them in a suitcase and fly them over because things cost more in Hawaii. And it was like, uh-huh. no, no, this, this doesn't make sense. Just, just okay. spend the extra $5 and get them in Hawaii. It's going to be okay. Confession. Yeah. We have sleeves of plastic cups. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> but okay, here's the thing. It's not because I was like, oh, this is going to be so much more affordable. It was like, no, we need the things. We'll buy the things. And then we oh, got the no, things home. And I was like, I was like, that means we have to pack the things. Like, what were we? Th-? That was me <laughs> yes. just like being like, do the list. No, 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 no. And then and then being like, what the fuck did we just do? Like, just totally fine. It's not a big deal at all. Yeah. But I did find that really funny that I was like, my brain was in do it mode yeah. so badly. You have a bridesmaid you're supposed to assign these tasks to, but you have not. Yeah, but Shelby has a problem asking for help. But also, Shelby is just excited to do the things. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, I like to yeah. do the things, too. And I've called some people. You've asked me to call some people. So I'll yes. take that. And it's been incredibly helpful. Oh, yeah. It's, even if the people I've called have not been helpful. So. <laughs> I have asked Andrew to call and make reservations at a spot for our lunch on our wedding day, and some of the people have not been helpful. At I gotta, all. I gotta email Debbie back and tell her, yeah. oh, "No, we're not coming." 
Yeah, fuck you, Debbie. No, I'm just kidding. Debbie's <laughs> Debbie, great. Debbie's great. lovely. We might, I might Debbie took it. a month and a half to get back to us, so it's fine. It's fine, Debbie. Oh, this is an aside that no one cares about except for you and me. But I, I care so much. I know you do. I do, too. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, fantastic. So that is the story of Rapa Nui, the very brief, quickly researched story of Rapa Nui. But, you know, I think um, some of these places, I have an idea of what they are and why they're important mm. and, like, it would be cool to go there. But I I, I couldn't have told you really yeah. any of this. So it did feel good to kind of do some research and figure out, like, why is this such a big deal? Why... Why is this a place that is talked about? And actually, I, th- I think it would be really cool to go. I don't think I'm going to buy a plane ticket anytime soon. No. But I think it would be a very unique experience to to get out there and to, to see it. It's one of those lottery trips, right? Where not necessarily you need to win the lottery, but like it's it's one that's sort of attainable, but you really have to want to go there to get there confession i thought you said watery trips because like it's in the middle of the fucking ocean and i was like so much water and then you were talking about the lottery yeah no it is a lottery trip for yeah. sure um it would be amazing i i have no doubt about that uh it's okay if you don't have the answer do you know in, in any of your research did you come across people like like trying to trek across the whole island and then just like sleeping wherever they stopped. <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious about that, honestly. I There were quite a few mentions of like how windy the weather is. Mm. Like so much that so sense. that like it could affect flights. Yeah. So I'm not sure that you'd want to do that because yeah. I don't think the weather would be right. Um, there were some things about like camping, but I think they were very designated spots because I think a lot of these, these places on the island are going to be considered like archaeological sites. Yeah. So I think they're going to be quite strict about like where you can camp and inhabit on the island. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. No, no problem. Well, that was... I, I can't believe I actually had somewhat of an answer for that. <laughs> I, I was like, there's it. no way I'm going to know the answer to this. <laughs> well, uh, that was really interesting, and, and I'm glad you picked that spot. So, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, we will be back next week as we uh, aren't recording from Hawaii, but are recording in advance of Hawaii. So, um, yeah. so please tune in next week, and, and thank you, Shelby, for the... Rapa Nui or Easter Island uh, information. That was a lot of My fun. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.